the City. I'm your host, Prince Electro Diamond, and today I am here with LA rapper and Instagram model, Pretty Boy Rock, whose current oh. video, Bad Bitch Alert, is out now on YouTube. How are you doing today, babe? I'm doing well. It's um, doom and gloom over here in Los Angeles, but we're surviving slowly but surely. Well, it's not like that often in LA. No, <laughs> we live in paradise. It's like the two months we have of bad weather. Everybody thinks the world's ending, though. I would. Well, no, as I say, as someone who like, so I live in Florida, so like, I'm looking forward to moving somewhere. Like I've lived in Florida my whole life. I'm looking forward to moving somewhere with actual seasons. Cause. <laughs> well, don't come to California. We don't have those. Yeah. It's like 10 months of summer and then two months of like, whatever this is, but yeah. it's not bad at all. I, I grew up on the East coast, but yeah, I love the weather out here. Yeah. Well, no, my plan is to like, hopefully move to Atlanta. Cause it'll be nice affordable i could actually like unlike in la i could actually afford to own a condo in atlanta yeah absolutely <laughs> the money. A closet with a closet yeah yeah <laughs> so okay that actually leads me to my first question so where are you originally from so i'm actually born and raised in north carolina um in a tiny 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 little town called pamlico county um yeah i lived there till i was 24 and then moved out to la work southern boy born and raised i know that's small that's the other thing reason i want to get out of here i live in well i can't even say it's a small town it's like it's like a suburb but there's like city elements here but there's nothing really to do like the closest city is west palm beach and that's like an hour away yeah no florida's a lot of fun i love i'm a miami kid myself i try to go at least yeah. once a year but um i don't know if I'd want to live there. Cause it is, it's very like, I feel like almost spread out in a way. Like you do have the city elements, but they're not as concentrated. It's spread out. And there's also like, I was telling somebody this from Florida. It's like every, every like road in Florida is the same. Like there is <laughs> no like difference at anything at all. Everything looks the same. Like <laughs> yeah. That's, I actually, I could totally see that. Yeah. I had friends who lived in Orlando and uh, stuff. So yeah. I've visited different parts. And like I said, that's why like Miami's like a little bit more fun. Cause I go to like, you know, the yeah. beach and the gay stuff. And then I get to come back home to LA afterwards. So. I mean, Orlando's not bad. I lived there for four years. So it's like, it's not bad. But as I say, the Orlando I left is not what it is now. Mm-hmm. Because, like, one it's of my favorite. Fun. I could yeah. see that. Elena's a vibe. Yeah. Definitely. So, what was it like for you growing up in North Carolina? Um, It was interesting because I, I grew up, like, it's funny because I talk about, like, growing up very poor in a lot of my interviews. And it's because for a majority of my life, we were very, I don't like the word impoverished, but... I mean, I was growing up in the trailer parks, you know, like running around like a little redneck child with yeah. like, my mullet and my ear pierced. Um, and we didn't have a lot, but I, my parents did a really good job of not letting us feel that way. Um, and it wasn't until we like, I really got into like middle school, high school where kids are just mean and right. kind of realized that 
you know, my clothes weren't as good as theirs and things like that. So then I just became a hustler and I got a job at 15 years old and bought my own car, paid for my own clothes, had my own apartment by 17. I was like, wow. I don't want to live this life anymore. And then now my parents are much more well off. But yeah, it was, um, it was interesting growing up in the South being gay. <laughs> but at 17, that's crazy. I'm saying that because I was someone who honestly didn't move out till I was like 20, almost about to be 21. So it's like, mm-hmm. but it's like when I, when I left, it honestly was because I was in college and then I just got to the point where I said, fuck it. I can't do college anymore. It's not for me. I literally like left, moved to Orlando, went to audio engineering school. So like, nice. Yeah. Yeah, so, I didn't think with me in college. I did um, five years of college and still don't have a degree. So <laughs> I feel you on the college is not for everybody, right? Yeah, right. So what was it like for you coming out? Um, I have a very interesting coming out story because I was, I didn't really have a choice. I was kind of pushed out of the closet. So um, that job I was talking about that I got when I was 15 um, I didn't have my first boyfriend until I was 17 years old. And um, I was kind of like managing that location at the time. So I got him a job working with me so we could spend more time together. Right. So I scheduled him to close so we could like close the restaurant down, hang out, do what teenage boys do. And um, granted, this restaurant is two doors down from my parents' house. So we'll keep that in mind as well. Um <laughs> So we were like closing down the restaurant and I mean, we were just making out. It wasn't like we were doing anything too rated X. We were just kind of like, you know, teenagers making out. And I like got that like overwhelming filming someone was watching me. And I just like look over and my stepmom's face is like pressed up against the glass. And she is just fuming. And um, yeah, so I of course had to let her in the restaurant. Um <laughs> Joey, my boyfriend at the time, he like ran out the door. It was this whole big dramatic scene. And then um, my dad came home three days later because he was away, um, I believe it was like a missionary church event or something. I don't remember. I just remember he was out of town. And so she woke me up and she made me tell my dad what she caught me doing. And they did not take it very well at first. It was a very rough couple of months before they came around. Yeah. I will say that par well, I should say parent, because I did come out, but I came out four months after my mom died, so like I only had to tell one parent. But mm-hmm. I will say, speaking of church, I told a youth minister I came out, and I told him like a performance idea I had, because like I'm a gay kid, I was theatric whatever i had like this performance idea that i had with a knife and like i was practicing one day so he walked out of the room came back into the room he said you have one of two options you can either come with me or i'm calling the cops and i was a little bit naive i was 18 but i was like naive at the time i'm like well i don't want to go with the cops i'll go with him Mm -hmm. i went for a psyche valve I passed the psyche valve. He lied about what was going on. 
I got locked up in a mental institution for 64 hours. For being gay. Basically, yeah. Oh, my God. So, and it's like, it's that's so scary to me because, like, you know, like, where we grew up, it is a very different environment for gay kids. And, like, that was, you know, it's it's just, it's, it's, it's scary. Like, luckily, I, my parents were religious, but they were never did went to that level. Yeah. Um, so, I'm sorry you had to go through that. That's yeah. awful. And it's sad that it's a very common story in our neck of woods, so to speak. Yeah, and that's, like, it's common for that. And it's also, like, even after, like, when he was trying to cover his ass for everything, he's like, let's, I'll put you with this counselor. They made it sound like a therapist. It wasn't a therapist at all. It was, like, a counselor that they had that essentially tried to, like, pray the gay away. We know how well that works. Yeah. (laughs) But, I mean... I honestly say, like, all the shit that I've gone through, and, like, you probably know this as, like, a musician, like, all the shit you go through is, like, just stuff you can write about, and it, like, allows you to tell people your story and them, Mm -hmm. in some ways, to be able to relate to your story. No, 100%. I think that, um, and what's funny is like your journey as an artist, I felt like even when I first started doing music, I was so hesitant to really go to those like gay places because I was still kind of worried about like, what's my family think about me? What does like the people back home think about me? And it took a while to really be unapologetic and really tell your truth and tell your story. And that's something that I hope that younger generations won't have that like stigma and be scared to be their authentic selves because it's not a way to live oh well actually no i should say i was gonna say like it was easy for me it was easy for me once i came out like before i came out and i was writing music i was like writing this shit about me talking about doing stuff with a girl what the fuck was i doing with a girl not a damn thing. <laughs> like not a damn fucking thing like <laughs> Yeah. So, who were some of your musical inspirations? Uh, I would have to say, number one for me, um, definitely Nicki Minaj. I am a Barb. Um, I absolutely, absolutely adore her. I just lyrically, musically, and just her longevity in the craft just shows that she's talented. Um, But besides her, I mean, I grew up listening to a lot of, like, southern rappers so like you know Ludacris, ti lil wayne um so i do feel like the atlanta southern hip-hop influence is definitely like very resonant in like my sound and cadence and kind of where i come like i was the kid you know even down to like the spice girls i was the kid who was rapping the spice girls raps and like you know Nicki minaj came on on bottles up i was i was the kid rapping in the back seat like that was just like yeah, it's always been, it's always been females, I would say, more predominant as well. Like, even down to Lil' Kim, because, I mean, I grew up in that generation as well. Like, Lady Marmalade, yeah. you know, Notorious K.I.M. album. I had that poster with her, like, covering her boobs and, like, stuff, so, yeah. Yeah. I will say, that's definitely, like, some of them are crossovers, because, like, even though I'm technically, like, a singer, per se, like, I'll do, I'll do rap stuff. One of my favorite songs that, like, I perform like when I sing live is like doing team by Iggy Azalea. Like I love Iggy. She's amazing. Yeah. yeah. 
So, like, I'm not afraid to go there. Like, some singers are like, oh, no, I never do rap. I'd be like, bitch, let me do it. Like, <laughs> That's a fun song, too. That was actually the first yeah. song I ever did TikTok to, but it was before TikTok was TikTok. What was it before that? Like, Music Ally or something? Musically, yeah. 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 So, like, uh, the first that one I ever did was Iggy Azalea's team. I think it's still on my TikTok. But, no, I love Iggy Azalea as well. I think she has a lot of um, stigma behind her. Right. And misunderstood a lot so i typically don't bring her up in interviews because i hate when people like start attacking her and i don't want to be like confrontational so but yeah absolutely love iggy azalea i think she's uh one of the better female rappers we have out right now currently totally and i will say like she's gotten probably ever since like after her debut she's gotten like so much shit for like yeah no reason <laughs> well she was a kid and like that's the thing and that's the one thing i hate about social media the era of social media is like you know people will bring up tweets that you did when you were 13 years old and like yeah when you're if you're in your like late 20s or early 30s and they're bringing up things you wrote about like 15 16 years ago obviously like people change and they grow and kids are dumb like let's be honest like we were all pretty stupid at one point in time so yeah I don't know. I thought it was very much like the the hate trains that people create on social media is just, it's insane to me. Yeah. So, okay. Here's my next question. Speaking, speaking kind of of Iggy, but like, have you ever been judged being a gay white boy doing a predominantly black art form? Yes. Um, it's funny because I... I have a lot of like, we call it like my little rap family out here on the West Coast. So like, there's certain rappers that I like to collaborate with and keep in touch with. And I'm the only white one. Um, but it's funny because my friend him, he was like, it's real. It's interesting because this is the one genre where like, he, how did he word it? Because I don't want to like be attacked for saying this. Um, he's like, this is the one area of music where you don't have the benefit of being white like your privilege doesn't really help you here and i was like it's it's true and it's not i mean i think because i think i have pretty privilege i think being white you're just people tend to look you know what i mean so um i have gotten a lot of shit for it but i just don't let it bother me like it's this is who i am it's my it's who i want to be and it's i'm obviously like decent at it i have a you know so yeah I hope that answered the question. I kind of like did a wrap well, around, but. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, like, I would say this, at least in like my view of like listening to your music, if you weren't, in my opinion, if you weren't talented, you wouldn't, you would get like a thousand times more shit than you actually do. But it's the fact that like you can actually do it. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate You're that. Welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Yeah, because I've seen a lot of people, and it's like, when they, like, get it, they get it. I would say, like, you, and probably, like, um, Brandon Wild, who's someone else who I like, he's, like, got it. And it's like, when you're able to, like, get in that lane, you're good. But, like, if you suck, everybody's going to pile down on you. Like... Exactly. And I think um, it's harder to when you're doing like because before, you know, the newer age of like, you know, 
the Brandons and the Pretty Boys. There was like you know Caswell, but Caswell he's a rapper, yeah. but he always kind of was focused more on like the dance club kind of aspects of it. Right. It was very like, for lack of a better term, like gay music. And that's yeah. something I didn't want to do. Like I, when I started making music, I was like, I want it to sound like the music you hear on the radio every day, but I want it yeah. to be quick themed. You know, yeah. and it's becoming more and more accepted with like, you know, Lil Nas X breaking barriers and things like that. So I'm excited to see where it goes. I just want to be a part of it, you know? Yeah. So, okay. I actually do have a question about one of your collaborations. It's somebody I like. So what was it like working with Tokyo on the song Bad? Ah, I love Tokyo. That's my bitch. Yeah. Um, we're actually working on some more stuff together. Uh, Tokyo is a fireball. When that kid is in the studio, you never know what's going to come out of his mouth. Um, actually, when he's not in the studio, you never know what's going to come out of it, his mouth. Like, I'll be, like, walking down the streets of WeHo, and I'll just hear, pretty boy, like, being screamed across. And I'm like, and he's, like, over there just, like, twerking in a thong on the side of the road. It's like, um, I love him. He's amazing. He's amazingly talented. But um, when I brought him bad, we actually started, so I wrote the first verse and then I actually was like I kind of want this to be like a joint collaboration between a bunch of gay artists and like I'd worked with Taylor in the past and he um so I actually reached out to Taylor first and he's like well do you want me to rap or do you want me to sing and I was like I want you just singing on this one I want you to like really just nail down like a sexy ass but simple hook and then he sent me the hook and so then I wound up writing the third verse and then sending everything to Tokyo and Tokyo's like fuck yeah let's do it so he went to the studio and worked with my producer. And I think my producer, Tim, he said Tokyo laid down the verse in like 45 minutes, like from start to finish was like in and out like that. And when he sent it to me, I was actually a little intimidated because he went really fucking hard on that song. And I was like, is he going to like wash me on my own track? But <laughs> I, I think it balanced really well. I don't know. I like to tell myself that anyways. Yeah. And I will say like you saying that about Tokyo, like anyone who just saw him on for the love of Dilfs clearly knows that that's what Tokyo's like. Like he is, and he's just like that in real life. Like that is not yeah. an act, that is authentic Tokyo, and I just I fucking love him. He is top tier. I know that's another person. As I always say, I'm always trying to get guests. He's someone I'm trying to get right now. Like I'll, I'll drop a plug for you if I can. Yeah. I'll yeah. I got a message him anyway because we're working. Like I said, we're working on some Thank new you. stuff. So. Yeah. So, who would be your dream artist to collaborate with? Like anybody? Yeah. I would say it would be a coin toss for me. I think it would actually either be Nikki or Iggy. I think me and Iggy would make like a really fucking sexy bop together. Um, yeah. Just getting a Nicki Minaj co-sign is like, I'd retire. Like, if I had a feature with Nicki Minaj, I would just be like, all right, I'm done. I've done everything I can do. There's nowhere to go from here. So those would be my top two, definitely. How well, about you? I would, I would say, ooh. Hmm. It, I would actually say, like, dependent on, like, if you're talking, like, singer or rapper... I've got two different answers. Okay. Singer for me would definitely be Gaga. I'm like a huge fan of Gaga and like 
she is literally one of my like musical inspirations. Like, and rapper, I'd probably say either Iggy or Nikki as well. Like, or honestly, if I went with a gay person, you. Like, <laughs> well, you got my DM, so you just hit me up when you're ready. I will say, like, what I would have to, like, the thing with me is, like, especially, like, when I make beats, I make beats that are very minimalist. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, like, I know not all artists, like, love, but that's, I'm someone who, like, when I make a beat and I make it, like, minimalist, I usually, like, make the beat very, very simple, and then I, like, can construct the song around that. Yeah, and that's like a, if you're producing the track from start to finish, I think that's like a smart way to do it because honestly, if you're keeping the beat very minimal and then kind of building onto it as you like are recording and things like that and like adding things in, it kind of creates a more fluid track. Whereas if you get a fully produced beat, which is a majority of time what you wind up with when you're, you know, working with producers, they're sending you full stuff. It's kind of like there's already a vibe there and you kind of have to manipulate what you do into it if that makes sense yeah so i get that I, I actually appreciate that approach and it's just even like when i used to like back in audio engineering school when i would make stuff they're like they're like that beats so simple i'm like just watch it's like trust me I may not have to add anything to this beat. You may just be hearing this one sound, but like once I like sit down and lay down lyrics, that's when it will all make sense. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the beauty of art. It's, you know, that's something that is unique to like your craft. And like, I think that's something you really have to like buckle down and stay with. If it's, it's, it's uniquely you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Although I will say what I did advise people against like something that I do is I did. I don't think it's smart like mentally for you to do like emotionally or mentally for you to do this was I had a beat where like it was like really, really sad. And I went like deep into my archives and I I wasn't feeling sad when I started writing it. But then all of a sudden I was like listening to it over and over and over again. And then like I just let stuff out and like. It felt good, but at the same time, I don't think that's something that like people should like do. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I think um but going to that place is something it's hard and it's something that you kind of have to do from time to time as artists because that to me it's therapeutic. Like um I've been working on um essentially like a breakup track for about a year now. And it's one of those things like I'll start writing and I have, it kind of gets me back to like that relationship. And I kind of have to like take a break, walk away, go write like a club banger and then come back to it because it will, it'll get you into that mindset. It's not, I don't want to say it's unhealthy. Cause I, like I said, I think emotions are healthy, but staying there, I think is bad. I think you kind of have to have a way to get back out of it after you're in it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it was also, like, as I say, like, I was going back, like, during my um, depression years, like, because I was someone who was, like, as I say, I was depressed for a long time. I was depressed probably from, like, very, very young till the age of 26. So, like, as I say, the fact that I'm still alive here talking to you is, like, a miracle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and 
that for me, and like a lot of it was because, and I don't know if you've experienced this, for the longest time, I didn't know who I was. And like, I went through that like cycle of, it was before I found drag. I found drag at the age of 21, but it's like, it was, I went through the phase of not knowing who I was and then like finding drag and like finding out who I was and not being able to do it like every day mm-hmm. kind of fucks with my mind a little bit. I could see that. I mean, I, I think what's sad is like growing up, I mean, our generation growing up gay, like again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, is very different. Yeah. Like you aren't really yourself. And, like, even when you first come out, you're not really yourself because you're still, I feel, like, facing a lot of the stigmas. And you're, like, I remember kind of piggybacking off you, like, saying you don't didn't really know who you were. I remember, like, working in restaurants and everybody knew I was gay. But I remember people like, oh, I just, I'm, I'm glad you don't, you don't act gay or you're not, like, one of those, like, super flamboyant gays. And it, like, pushes you farther into your shell. And it's, I yeah. remember coming home from California after being out here a couple of years and I went back to that restaurant. I was like, talk to my regulars. And this one just, he had this like really sly comment and I know he didn't mean anything by it, but it was like, um, it was something along the lines of, Oh, well you got really gay since you moved out to California. And I was like, he's like, your voice has changed. This, that, and he was like, no, I'm just, this is who I always was, but I wasn't allowed to be that person around you guys because you didn't allow me to be, you know, you're pushing me back into the closet. And now it's just, zero fucks to give you know what i mean it's like now we're here it's like and i'm glad you were able to find your voice as well because so many people don't and that's why that self-harm rate is so high within our community because these kids aren't finding their voice they're not finding who they are no and it's actually you're saying self-harm but i'll add on to that suicide it's why it's so high it's like I didn't know if you're allowed to say that word on Twitch, so I was like, uh. <laughs> I, well, let me put it this way. Somebody was, like, afraid to, like, I want everybody there to talk about, like, swearing. I'm like, well, I haven't gotten in trouble yet, and I say fuck all the time. So, like, it's like, it's, <laughs> I don't know. Like, if I'm breaking the rules, Twitch hasn't told me. So, <laughs> I'm just going to we'll keep doing out, it. Right? Well, between me and you, I'm, I'm, like, face of an angel, mouth of a sailor, so. And it's because it's, like, especially artists, I feel like artists just, like, say what's on their mind, and they're, like, not afraid to say it. Mm-hmm. And that's where, like, that's why when some people, like, occasionally, like, times where, like, I'm around families and I, like, have to be around kids, I have to be, like, I become that, like, quiet person who says nothing, because I'm, like, I'm afraid I'll say the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I try to, I'm very, I've actually gotten very good at it, like, being around my parents and like my grandparents and not dropping f-bombs every other sentence but also i because i work in restaurants i think also kind of helps because you know there's that like i have to have a certain level of professionalism so i can't say like that's fucking great or things like that you know so it's like i have to kind of censor it at work so i think that helps a little bit on my end yeah i mean like i have to as well because like I have worked in restaurants before. I don't work at one now. I work at a call center. So it's like, I have to like, I'm the person who like, you can't, you can swear at a call center. You just have to make sure like you're muted. And then you have to be like, what the fuck do I do now? Like, (laughs) 
No, I can see that. Um, yeah, I've, I mean, I've slipped up every now and then at work, but I, I try my hardest, I will say, not to offend the people. So, like, do you still work in restaurants, or are you, like, a full-time artist? Um, I like to say I'm a part-time server, full-time performer. Um, unfortunately, LA is expensive, and, right. you know, the music as much as, as great as it is that we're in like the streaming era and it allows you to get your music out there i mean you it's hard to make a living i mean i make right. okay money off my streaming i don't make any money off youtube um i think i make like a dollar every like three months or something because you know i'm not getting millions wow. and millions and millions of views um but yeah streaming it's the amount of streaming you would have to do consistently to do that. It's just, it's not feasible. So yeah, I do still work in restaurants. I actually work in, um, on the West side valet in Venice. Venice is kind of like a rich, no, I know it's not. Is Venice a rich area? It, I'm trying to it, think. It's a rich white people neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay, it's, that's, uh, I, that's why it's very lucrative. I don't have to work full time, which is great because I can focus on like the music more now than I could before. Yeah, because that's one thing I will say, like, especially doing this, like someone asked me about music. They're like, when are you going to do music again? I'm like, listen, I work a full time job. I run a podcast where I have to reach out to people and like write up interviews. Cause it's not like I have a team of people who are like, who are like, you go talk to the guests. I'll just sit here and be pretty and be the talent. No, I have to actually do the fucking work. <laughs> like, so it's like, I'm like, I'm like, I'd love to do music again. My schedule doesn't allow for it. Like, And that, I mean, it's, and I think once it's, you'll find that like time again, like I had to yep. take a break for a while. Cause it was just, during COVID, I wrote a lot. I still wrote, but like, as far as recording and things like that, like, it was so hard to, A, financially support it. Because I mean, I I have a team of people that work with me as far as like production, but I fork out all the money. Right. You know, I don't have a backer. I don't have a sugar daddy. I probably should get one. You probably but, could. No, so it's, it's all me. It's like every, you know, every music video I've put out was financed by me. Um, every song that's been mixed, mastered, recorded, I paid for all that studio time. So it's a very expensive, expensive art form. But, you know, it's and it's time consuming. So I think you'll hopefully you'll find that space and time again. And I think when the timing's right, it'll happen, you know? Yeah. So actually, okay. I just thought of this question. So potentially, I know this is what major artists do. That's why I'm asking this question. Could you like, well, actually, no, you probably don't have a big enough following. I was going to ask, could you go on tour to like recoup your money? But the answer is probably no, right? Yeah, no. I mean, tours are expensive to put on unless you're, yeah. again, a huge artist. And kind of like, you know, if you have like a record label backing you, they'll kind of front you the money. Because even when I do Pride um, tours, which Chanel and I are actually kind of working on this like Barbie Ken themed Pride tour. So we can kind of like split the sets, split the cost, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so we're kind of working on stuff like that. But it's not as financially lucrative as people would think when you're not 
huge following. Like prides pay you, but I normally wind up spending more for my dancers and costumes than pride actually forks back. So I actually lose money a lot of times when I perform. Right. Oh. Yeah, that's gotta suck. Like <laughs> Life of a starving artist, you know? Yeah. Where was that? Oh. Okay, so I mean you kinda answered this question, but like how involved are you in the production slash engineering of your music? The only thing I don't do, um, I don't make beats. Um I kind of like started trying to learn and I just realized that like there are people who are just meant to do that and I'm not one of them. So right. I have like three or four producers that I typically work with and I'll like, you know, I'll send out emails like, Hey, this is kind of the vibe I'm looking for. And they'll send me like a beat package and then with like pricing and stuff. Um, but other than that, like I lay down all my vocals um, and then my producer Tim does all the mixing and mastering, but like, I do 100% of my writing. As far as music video goes, I do 100% of the storyboarding, 100%, you know, it's like, so I'm like the mastermind, but I do have people that essentially work for me in right. the other aspect. Yeah. But as far as the creative process, that's 100% me. Yeah. I always found it interesting, but it's also like, I think about it, like I've interviewed I've interviewed a rapper before who had a different like approach to you, but it's like, I feel like the way you do things is like the way most rappers do things. It's like a lot of rappers don't make their own beats. They like have people like go out and make them for them. And they just like go down and lay vocals. And that's, and then to me, that's not like any more of like an invalid way of doing music. I've done it that way before myself, but it's like, mm -hmm. there's just something about like, I would say the like, notion of like making a beat and then putting it out it's like to me at that point it's like that's your baby like yeah you are so like emotionally attached to that that like you hope everybody likes it that is the trick but yeah no yeah. so i get that i feel like um yeah it was just uh, like i said i just for me personally i was just never that great at it and i feel like if there's somebody who can do it better and then right. I'm also supporting someone else's art by buying their stuff. Cause I don't, you know, I don't, it's very rare that I have a producer that'll give me a beat. I do have a couple that they're like, Hey, I really want you on this track. Here are the stems. Can you use it? And stuff like that. But um, for the most part, yeah, I do buy my beats from different beat makers and things like that. And I think a majority, I mean, it's kind of how the music industry works for the mainstream artists, you know, unless they're like a singer songwriter like country art and things like that. Most, you know, pop artists, most um, rappers do actually work with producers, make and the producers make the beats. And then, you know, we can accentuate it as we please. So, okay. This is just something. How much does it like typically cost for a beat? Um, depending on who I work with, normally for like full like um exclusive rights and with the stems and the track outs and things like that it can go anywhere from 350 i've paid up to 800. um actually the b for bats one of the most expensive beats i ever paid for but i was obsessed with that beat and i was like it's mine i have to have it but um right. 
Yeah, it's and it's like I said, sometimes I like with producers I work with a lot. I'll be like, they'll be like, hey, if you want this beat, I'll, you know, and I'll be like, I'll be like, I really like this particular sound. They're like, you can have this for like one fifty, you know. So it's like really depends, but I would say on average, like average prices probably be about three fifty to four hundred. Wow, I can see where like the money goes, like oh, out the window. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's fun. I mean, like I said, it's one of those things, you know, I, what would I be spending my money on if I wasn't making music? I guess buying a bigger house, but I'm single. I don't need that. I'm good. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm trying to think, like, outfits you can spend money on, but, like. Yeah. yeah, I do like clothes. I do like jewelry. But I mean, like I said, my the job I have is pretty lucrative. So I, I'm able to kind of like, I mean, in LA, you're just going to live in a small place unless you're a millionaire. It's just that's how it is. You know, you get a studio um, and you bunker down. But yeah, I do like nice things and I'm able to afford most of them. But right. I'd rather make me than have a Birkin bag. Well, you're talking to me like most most of my shit's cheap and it's it's literally especially like my shoes and it's and it's literally not because I wouldn't want designers. I have huge I have huge ass feet. I'm I'm not like I'm a size fifteen. I'm not gonna be able to find like Louis Vuittons or anything like that. Like You're gonna have to get them custom made. Size yeah. fifteen? Yeah, I'm size fifteen in women's because I just have to yeah, well, I'm I'm tall. This is the thing. Like, I'm six three. Wait, so like, I'm six three. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like, I'm, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know you're. I know you're kind of short. You're probably like, I'd have to say like five seven, maybe yeah. like or yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Little fun size. That's what I like to call it. Yeah, but again, that's. That's most. Well, actually, no. I would say five seven's tall, but like, actually, no. Five seven is tall for like the entertainment industry. Like, that's true. That's true. I yeah. like I. And what's funny is like I like I um obviously, in the grand scale of things, on the shorter side, but yeah. I feel like I'm taller than a majority of like a taller or as tall as like a majority of like the people in Los Angeles. Like I don't walk around Los Angeles and feel like a shrimp. You know what I mean? Right. So I don't know. And like I've somehow most of the guys I go on a date with are shorter than me. I, so it's just it is the way it is. Right. So okay, my next question. I'll ask about dating in a minute. So have you ever suffered with body issues? Yes. So, um, I actually was a very chunky child. Um, uh, I tried to destroy all evidence, but it's still out there. There's still pictures. Um, I was very over cause my whole family were very short and we're also very wide by nature. Right. Um, and so I was always kind of on the chunkier side. Like I remember in middle school was when it really started getting bad because I had this kid literally walked up and like poked my belly and did like the Pillsbury Doughboy sound. Right. And it was just, it was always like cruel and you know, kids are mean and it's just, it's, 
the nature of the beast. I don't know what it is about adolescence that makes you want to bully people. Um, yeah. But yeah, I struggled with my body most of my life. And even when I, I kind of developed eating disorder in college, like, I don't want to say to the point it was like anorexia or bulimia, but I'm about 160 pounds now. In college, I got down to like 103 pounds. Like I was a walking little wow. skeleton. Like I had no body shape. You know, you could like see my spinal column. It was like, and I Ooh. still felt fat. I was still like, you know, you still look at yourself in the mirror and you don't see what everybody else sees. You see like that little ounce of fat that you can't get rid of or things like that. And so that was one thing I'm like, you know, I'm blessed in the fact that I've just kind of like, said fuck it i can't if i tried to look like an andrew christian model 24 7 i could not have fun i'd be eating like i love food yeah. i love a good cocktail you know so if i got a little extra something around the midsection sometimes it's fine i slim down for photo shoots and video shoots and then i instantly like go order 30 dollars worth of wing stop <laughs> like, right you know that's it, it's fine you know you got to live a little i mean but that's that's totally something that I get. It's like being the fact that like I am a bigger person. Like I get that un um that unrealistic like image of yourself. Like I at one point thought I'm like, oh, I should be 150, 160. I'm like, bitch, and then I had to go like, bitch, I, bitch, you've never been 160 in your life. Like you're also six three. That's like yeah. way too. Yeah, it's like. That's why at some point when I started like wearing bodysuits and drag, because I didn't do it for the longest time, because I was like, oh, you have to be thin to do that. You have to be thin. You have to do this. And then I, I think it was like right after COVID, I basically said like, fuck it. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to like embrace my body the way it is. I'm going to try and change it. I still do. Like, you talk about, I love food too, but I'm one of those people who like, I diet. Like, yeah. I hardly eat. <laughs> I try to eat like as little as possible, but there are some days, like especially I get towards like the weekend where I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, you've been starving yourself this whole week. You can have a whole fucking pizza. Like you're not going to like die. <laughs> well, and it's also like, it's really important to, cause I like, I have those friends who um, are obviously like walking models and you know, they, some of them just are naturally have a high metabolism and things like that. I don't, my metabolism's like a snail. It's non-existent. Um, but I think as a general rule, like if you're eating healthy a majority of the time and like kind of monitoring what you're eating, but you get to that point, like once a week where you're just really craving something, I just say fucking go for it. Like the, life is way too short to be constantly like micromanaging every aspect of that life you know what i mean it's yeah. just and I, I know it's like it's harder like when you're a bigger person i know like that like you said there's that impossible standard because but I, I was talking to a friend recently who's a um plus size person she was like talking, i was like you know, like no matter how small you get no matter how big you get like you're always going to think someone else looks better. You're always going to want to look like this when you look like that. You know, tall people want to yeah. be shorter. Shorter people want to be taller. You know, you have a big butt, you want a small butt. You have a small butt, you want a big butt. It's like, it's a human nature to kind of 
want to be different than what you are or like as long as you're bettering yourself for yourself and not for other people yeah god i'm sounding like an inspirational speaker right now what is this <laughs> no i mean like that's the thing like i say on here i try and get like there's at one point again, like last week I was interviewing somebody and they're like, whoa, you got deep. I'm like, and I kind of ended up, I was like, mentioned something on a dark note. I'm like, I'm like, no, we're not ending the podcast like this. I'm going to like find a way to like bring this around and make it upbeat. Cause that is, I do not like ending things on a sad note. Like some people will, I'm like, I want to try and add like, end like on a positive. <laughs> Yeah, because so the people listening and then you like you end it on a sad note. You're like, we were talking about like when you're going to that place when you're writing music. It's like yeah. with the podcast. And then they're like, the podcast ends and they're like, well, now I'm depressed. That's sad. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. So, okay. Have you found it difficult to develop genuine friendships in LA? Yes. Um, the people here are very different. I do have a very good close knit group of friends, but I've also been here for nine years. Um, right. so I have like my writer dies and then I, like I said, I have my little rap family. Um, but for the most part, LA and the way I try to like explain, like everyone in LA is here for a reason. Most people move here because they're in the industry or this or that and the other. So it becomes almost second nature to want to like use people if that makes sense like right. every everybody's out for themselves here it's a very selfish city um and that's not everyone but i would say a majority of people so you kind of have to be very careful with who you trust and who you give your time and energy to because people out here will drain you of your energy and take what they can from you and then once they don't need you anymore they just throw you to the side it's like it's a very interesting city Right. I will say that, like, literally, well, okay. I didn't ask, I did ask that question to the first person I interviewed from LA. I didn't ask it that nicely. <laughs> I asked it in kind of a shady way. I just, they like laughed about it, but I asked them if they had like real friends. <laughs> and they're like, uh, like two. Yeah. Well, no. And like, he was like so cool about it. Like, He's one of my, like, his name is Phoenix. He's, like, one of my, like, favorite people that I've interviewed out here. Like, because, as I said, he was the person who, like, I had a, I had a conception. I had, like, an idea of L.A. of, like, everybody's stuck up. Everybody's, like, only in for themselves, as you just said. Like, nobody wants to talk to you unless you have a large, giant following on all your socials. Like, that's what I thought L.A. was. And that's how I thought everybody from LA was. But you, you're from the East Coast. You might have thought the same thing when you moved out to LA. I did actually. I when I first time I came to LA, I hated it. Um, I did not want to move here. Um, I was actually working with a production company at the time, doing PA work for films. And I was in Beverly Hills, and I was like, "This is the most snobby, awful place I've ever been to. Like these people are awful. Everyone's mean." But and I will say that the stereotype of L.A. is rooted in some truth. There are genuine people out here. I just feel like because it's so concentrated, it's harder to find them. Whereas, like, growing up in the South, there's a lot less people. So it's easier to kind of weed out the different types. Here, it's, there's so many humans in such a small space that 
you know, everything kind of gets lost and you kind of have to, be, like I said, you have to be very careful with like who you're around and who you trust because it, a lot of people here are very selfish by nature. Yeah. So, okay. That'll lead me to this question. Why did you choose LA then? So I was originally going to move to Chicago. Um, I have a friend out there who does drag and he was going to let me couch surf. And then uh, I was, it was like November, 2013. Um, he texted me and he's like, Hey, like I'm having issues with my roommates. I don't think you're going to be able to come or stay with me, this, that, and the other. And I was like, well, fuck, what am I going to do? And I was actually in Lake Arrowhead at a cabin. We were filming um, up there and the uh, Steven, the producer, he was like, hey, me and my wife actually have a room opening up in January in Anaheim. He's like, it's $300 a month. Do you want to come? And I was like, hell yeah, because $300 a month in LA is like a drop in the bucket. It's nothing. Right. So um, literally, I came home back to North Carolina in November. And I was like, all right, I'm moving to LA. And everybody's like, okay, Corey, whatever. Like, let's, we'll see what happens. And I was like, no, I am. And then like December rolled around. I was like, January 13th. That's when I'm moving. They're like, why the 13th? I was like, I don't know. I just picked that date. Because I'm one of those people, if I don't pick a date for something, it's just not going to happen. Like, I have to give myself a timeline. Right. And so I put in my notice at work. They all thought I was joking. My roommate was like, yeah, okay, we'll see it when it happens. And I literally just packed up my car with everything I could put in it and everything else I just left. And um, drove across the country. Because it's interesting. Like, I will say, like, L.A., I am, like, more open to moving to L.A. now because I was originally not one of those people. I was, like, it ain't, if my two choices were, like, Atlanta or New York City. New York's but amazing. I, know I, I, I love the way New York looks. I've only been there once. I want to go back. But it's like, I'm like, if you move to New York, you. I literally told myself, like, I'm like, if you move to New York, you're going to have to live in Brooklyn. You're going to, like, be in, like, this, like, small apartment and, like, you're going to be paying way too much money for it. Like, well, I will say Brooklyn's gotten better. Um, I, it's, it's definitely like, I feel like Brooklyn's becoming the new Manhattan because Manhattan became so expensive. Yeah. And so now everybody's moving to Brooklyn, which is dropping the rent now in Manhattan. It's interesting, but I would say, um, Atlanta, you'll probably get the best value of the house. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's a magic to New York that, LA doesn't have. I will say that as an East Coast kid, um, New York City, I would move there in a heartbeat if like something happened, like like music wise or stuff. Like my PR company's out there, so if they yeah. were like, "Hey, we could really like if we got you out here, we could really start pushing this," you know what I mean? I would yeah. definitely move to New York City. Um, not anytime soon because I literally just signed a new lease yeah. yesterday, but. <laughs> For a slightly bigger shoebox than what I was living in before. Yeah. I mean, I would... I would totally get that. And, like, the thing is... Now, through, like, doing this podcast... I know people in both LA and New York. Like... So... That's where it has, like... I have interviewed nobody from Atlanta. So it'd be, like, a whole new experience, like, moving there. And, like, not knowing anybody. But... Yeah, and it's Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, but it's like, I did that in Orlando, because, like, 
essentially like my sister lived in like a suburb of Orlando, but like I lived downtown. Like I lived in downtown in you're not gonna believe how much I paid living in LA. You're not gonna believe this. So I lived in a one bedroom apartment that was seven hundred square feet and I paid seven hundred dollars a month. Like <laughs> I would love to have seven hundred square feet for seven hundred dollars. But okay, but I will I will state on top of that I lived in the hood, but like <laughs> Girl, in the hood, out it's like in LA, like no matter where you are, that was funny because like I've recently been apartment hunting and um now the big thing is finding somewhere rent controlled. So that's what I've been doing for the past year is finding I was like, I need to find something that's not like gonna fall apart, but is also rent controlled. So if I'm gonna pay this much in rent, at least I don't have to worry about it like increasing astronomically every time my lease is up so but yeah even here now i would say i was looking in like some of the rougher parts of la and studios that are like 400 square feet are still like 14 1500 a month it's it's crazy yeah i'm paying a little bit more than that now but i'm i live in like a nicer part of the town and like i said i got a rent controlled building so Okay, so you're someone who, like, so you said you have a studio, which means you're, like, living by yourself, which mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I've I've never had roommates. Like, the idea of me having roommates, I would say especially now, because it's, like, I want to get, like, a two-bedroom place, but, like, I literally want the second bedroom to be like a podcast studio slash like my drag closet. Yeah. Cause like I'm living at home, like my wigs are in one room and then like my costumes and like shoes are in another room. So it's like, <laughs> I'd like to be able to put everything in one place. Like, Yeah. It's, it's hard to find that out here. If you could, cause like two, what's funny is like two bedrooms aren't that much more than one bedrooms out here. That's what's yeah. crazy. So, like, a lot of people do find roommates. I I had roommates in college, and it was fine. Um, I lived with my ex for a while, and that was interesting. But for me personally, in my current journey, I, w- I wanted to find a space that was mine and 100% mine. And I could, you know, decorate it how I want to and have it exactly how I want it to be and not have to worry about, like, anyone else's input. Right. And also, in theory, it's easier to get dick to your place when you live by yourself. That part. Because when you have roommates, that's uh, a little bit harder to get that Uber with a penis. Right. Okay, I didn't write that, but I'll ask that. Um, So what type of guys are you into? (laughs) What type of guys are you into? Um... Honestly, it's interesting because, like, I've... If you look at, like, the guys I've dated before, it's I'm all over the map, but, um, I don't know. I typically like guys who are bigger than me. Um, masculinity is not a big thing either way. Um, typically like I like them like taller. I like them darker. Um, I do like my boys a little hood sometimes. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm like, I haven't dated white boys in forever. I would not be opposed to dating a white guy, but 
<laughs> the last couple of dates have been like taller Latino men, um, things like that. Yeah. I say tall, dark, and handsome. Final answer. Yeah. Girl, you don't got to tell me that. Like, <laughs> Latinos and black guys are mostly like who, like, I've got, like, as I said, I'm a thicker pitch. I've got a fat ass. Like, same, same. Like, I got a lot of ass. And so, like, I tend to attract those men and I'm a okay with it. As I say, like, my, my joke is I fuck white guys, like, once, twice a year, I call it community service, but, like. <laughs> <laughs> white boys just be falling in love too quickly. I feel like whatever I've, like, date a white guy and then, like, we, like, if we hook up, it's, like, instantly, like, they're, like, addicted or, like, attached. I'm just like, whoa, 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 like, what's going on? Like, I want to be the one that's needy, like, not the other way around. So it's interesting, but well, yeah. okay. I will say this, and I don't know if this is for everybody. That's why I'd ask. Do you like kiss guys when you hook up? I do. I'm a big makeout whore. That's that's part of your problem. Like, I just, for me, not. like when you're like if you're like hooking up with somebody and like you're like making out. I don't know. It's like it's so sexy to me. Like I think like a good kisser is like top tier. So nine times out of ten, yes, I do. Unless they're not into it, then it's like, it's fine. Well, you don't want guys to fall in love. Let me tell you, experience like this, have sex like a prostitute. Don't kiss anybody unless you're like really interested in them. <laughs> I'm just going to wear a COVID mask from here on out. Like, do not touch this part of my body, please. Because I just... Well, first of all, at least for me, speaking of white guys, like... I will start to develop feelings like if I start kissing you. So it's like as long as you're just like do what I want actually I would say do what you do what I want you to do eat my ass like before you fuck me like <laughs> we're all good. Yeah, I don't know. I like I said I'm cuz I typically like it's very rare that I do like just straight up like grinder hookups. Most of the time it's like we go out for drinks or go out for food right. and then kind of winds up at someone's apartment kind of situation. And, um, right. So normally there is like a element of like make out at some point in time, because we are doing more of like a traditional date. Um, if I have a straight up like dick appointment though, it's 50, 50. Yeah. I still, I'll still make out with you if you're going to make out with me. It's, 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 yeah, it's a thing. Well, my thing is, like, I am, like, lucky. I have a friends with benefits, so, like, I don't do them, like, strangers much unless, like, I'm out of town. But I kind of like it. Having a friends with benefits is great because it's, like, whenever I have time, I try and see if he has time and then, like, if he can, because, like, he lives at home, but, like, he has a separate entrance to where his bedroom is, so that's why, like, I usually go over there, because, like, mm -hmm. he could just, like, invite me in, and I could, like, sneak into his bedroom, and I kind of like that. <sighs> yeah, it's harder, like, when you're living, like, with family and stuff, because it's always just, even if you're, like, okay with it, it's still kind of awkward. Be like, hey, we're obviously going to do what we're going to do now. Bye. You know, it's like, <laughs> with roommates, it's the same, but, um, no, I would like I would actually like a repeat offender. I just haven't found anybody that 
I want to spend more than one night with currently. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not been there yet. I don't know. I like I said, I have um I got out of a really long relationship, so I'm kind of just like exploring now and kind of figuring out like what I want and what I like. Cause you know, when you're in a relationship, it's very much you kind of get into a habit and it was it's not always a bad thing but it's like now that you're single you're i'm able to kind of like you know explore myself a little bit more and my sexuality and things of that nature yeah i mean i get that i've only been in like two relationships one of them was like as you said like a year it was it was my first relationship, and now looking back on it, I see, like, the signs so much. Like, mm-hmm. like at the time, so, okay. My ex is trans. I did not find that out until after they moved their shit out of my place. Like, they left a note with a key in the door basically telling me that. And I had asked. Like, I would asked, like, are you transitioning? Like, do you feel that you need to be transitioning? And I never got an answer. Or no, I got an answer of like, no, no, no. And then all of a sudden, just that one day, I'm like, right. Everything makes sense. You moved in seven months into the relationship. You pretty much cut me off from sex entirely. That's why like, I looked at it. like There's one time that I remember, at the time he was there. And I was like, I want to have sex. I need you to leave. Like, That's hard. Like, how long were you together? We were together a year. Yeah, I feel like, um, as sad as it is, I feel like sex is kind of a barometer for a relationship. And I, I mean, obviously, like, the longer you're together with somebody, the less you just naturally have sex. Yeah. Um, I've always had, like, a very aggressive sexual appetite. I'm an Aries. I'm a fire sign. It's just what we do. But like, um, yeah, I feel like when the sex starts dwindling completely, that's normally not a good sign because it not necessarily means that they're like cheating or anything. It just means like there's something else going on. If that makes right. sense. Yeah. I actually did like, so I did the stupid thing, which I literally, like, broke up with somebody and then, like, got into a relationship immediately right after, which anyone who's watching, do not do that. Like, Yeah. 10 out of 10, do not recommend. No, and, I, and, and it was a white guy, so, like, that probably, like, turned me off to dating white guys completely, because he's, like, nerdy and, like, I had, like, low self-esteem at that point. I was, like, well, he thinks I'm hot, so I might as well, like, just date him. And then, like, all of a sudden, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, I knew. His voice annoyed me from, like, the beginning of the relationship. I shouldn't have gotten into it, but it's like, you get so, like, desperate that, like, you'll go with anybody. Yeah, because, you, I mean, you, especially after a breakup, you kind of just want to be wanted because breakups are hard no matter who initiates it. Yeah, You know, you have somebody, like, when you have that, like, fallback of someone that's, like, your go-to person, 
and then you lose that you kind of like it takes a while to like find and feel that hole and i think that's why it's very important like you said earlier not to jump immediately into a relationship because what happens is you just are pretty much putting a band-aid on a bullet wound and yeah. it's not fair to the person that you're involving it's not fair to you because you haven't had a chance to heal um yeah oh. no definitely i would say i would say definitely if you're in a long-term relationship i think like a year a good year before you start seriously dating like obviously like hook up have fun yeah um, you don't have to become like a nun but i would not recommend yeah jumping into a new relationship immediately no and like the thing was he wanted to do things open the guy that i dated for a month and then his his agreement was like we do stuff together i'm like right i'm all for that all of a sudden i went to work one day he he got sucked off by two guys while i was at work and i'm like well and then one day he went to work and like i got fucked by somebody and he's like i'm like well if you clearly broke the pact why do i have to agree to it like yeah and that's the thing i feel like with open relationships is you kind of have to have those rules and if one person's not abiding by them then it's not going to end well as you can tell yeah and it didn't end well in fact like i was um super sick when we when we broke up he was like getting mad at me and then like he said all you want is that um i'm not gonna say the word all you want is that n-word dick like and like screaming it with like the hard r and i'm thinking motherfucker you are in the hood what the fuck are you doing talking like that like oh, yeah god god gotta love the south i mean yeah and he was like he was one of those like southern boys from like daytona beach and like and the great thing was probably like um i want to say like a month after we broke up i saw his former boss when i was like out at a bar and he's like oh just to let you know he left you and he now has hiv and i'm like dodge the bullet there <laughs> That's so sad. Yeah, it's um I've actually had that happen as well with like exes contracting um HIV after. And it's it's awful, but it's like we do and I don't like the stigma of it, but there's so many tools at our disposal now. Like I'm on prep, I still try to use yeah. protection as much as possible. You know, um so yeah, my heart goes out to him for that. That's awful, but I'm glad that you were able to escape that because especially again if you're in an open relationship that's something that needs to be discussed because if you're not using protection you are running the risk of the health of your partner as well as yourself right totally so let's see what was oh so have you ever considered doing reality tv um i don't know what i would do I feel like, I don't know, like, I remember they were casting for, I don't even know if it ever happened, but they were going to do, like, a bad boys club, and I was like, that would be something I would go into, like, acting a fool on TV, but, um, I mean, I thought about it, I think if the right show came along, I yeah. would 
definitely jump on it. Like um, the one Tokyo was on, the love for the love of Dills. Yeah, like that would be something I think I would do well on. Because I do think I have a presence about me, but yeah, I haven't been asked so. And I mean, that would like if they did ask you, like talking about as an artist. I would say you might be able to quit because like out TV was like, it's not something that everybody has. We're like, mm-hmm. if you were to go on like a um, VH one or something like that, you could definitely quit your serving job probably. Cause like you got yeah. your name out there, but like you might still have to hustle if you did it. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I like working. I feel like it keeps me grounded and humble. You know what I mean? Like I have, worked in restaurants my whole life and I enjoy an aspect of it. Honestly, obviously like if I, if something takes off and I become like super successful and I don't need to, I'd probably just, I don't know, maybe I just go in and work like one day a week just to say I still work. But if, but if you're an artist and like that is your work, like true. And it is a full-time job. Yeah, because, like, it was so weird, like, so the job I was saying at the call center, I just started, we did, like, our graduation, like, from training, and the instructor was asking everybody if they were, like, if they were going to stay in the job, and she skipped me, which I was like, thank God, because my answer is very simply this, I will stay in any job I have till this takes off, and then once I can start doing things like this, Bye. Yeah. I don't <laughs> like well, I... good... Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 you're good. It's like I would rather be doing this. Like just like right now I'm towards the beginning stages, so like obviously I'm making no money. Yeah. Well, I would love to say it gets better, but it takes a while. <laughs> No, I, and that's the good thing about LA too, is most people are here for other things. So like, if you have a restaurant gig, they pretty much know you have another gig besides the restaurant. So like, since I've worked at my new spot that I've been pretty much just everything reopened, um, it's very, they're very accommodating when it comes to like getting event time off and things like that. Like if I book a pride weekend, I have to like, obviously rehearse and things. So Right. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think you're right. I think if it ever got to the point where the music was paying for itself and I was able to live off of it, I'd be like, peace. Okay. You already answered that. Not that I was looking. I know I was looking at my next question is, was it difficult being a musician during the pandemic? You already kind of answered that. Like, yeah. Yeah, it was it was not a lot of fun. Yeah. So, okay. My next question would be, if you had the opportunity to be signed by a major label, would you take it or would you rather stay independent? Uh, I think it would have to depend on the deal. Um, just because, like, so many artists now are getting trapped in, like, these crazy 360s where they're not making any money anyway. They're just, like, slaves to the industry. 
Yeah. And I wouldn't want that. I would want to make sure that while I do, I, I mean, cause obviously having the backing of a, um, record label opens a lot of doors. It gives you the money to go on tours and things like that, like promotion. But I want to make sure I'm actually making something and that once I'm out of this label, I'm not right back where I started because they absorbed right. all my money. So it's a tricky tightrope. I think I would definitely have like, um, I have a friend who is actually a major in entertainment law. So I would definitely like have her with me making sure that I'm not getting immortally fucked. But yeah. I mean, the, the numbers were right. Absolutely. I would love to be able to have the backing of a label and be able to like, you know, have those doors open because being an independent artist is fun, but it's, it's very time consuming having to do everything yourself. Right. And the reason I asked that question is because like, I, I have a friend, Sage Schwade, who's also a rapper. He's like out in Austin. And I asked him that same question. And he, he his feeling was when you like get signed to a major label, you lose pretty much almost all of your control. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't know, would you consider that kind of like a downside? Like, Yes and no, like again, because like I said, it's, it depends on your contract and making sure that right. you're not just signing something, um, your rights away. But yeah, because I mean, if the label wants you to do a pop track, you have to do a pop track. You know, if they're like, this is, if you're like, when you release an album or an EP and yeah. they're like, this is going to be your lead single, even if you don't want that song to be your lead single or you don't want to do a visual to that song, if that's what they want, that's like, well, that's what we're paying for. So you do lose some creative control, but if you're smart about it, I think that you're able to kind of keep some of it. But most artists, you know, they get signed and they get these huge, like, signing bonuses and things like that. And they just see the numbers and they're like, oh, fuck, i got to sign this contract. Like, they're going to give me a quarter million dollars. And they don't realize that it's an investment and you're going to have to pay that back. Yeah, to money, get you know. Or they'll just shelve you. And then if they shelve you and you don't fulfill your contract, you can't release music. You're just stuck. Yeah, it's a good thing that you, like, know that because, like, I would say had I gotten signed when I started trying to pursue music at like 16, 17, I wouldn't have known that where like as now, if I tried to, it'd be like, it'd be like, well, yeah, you're right. You're going to have to like owe them money mm -hmm. and they're not going to like love you making all your own music like they're gonna want you working with producers because that's just a way for you to owe them more money exactly because i actually will say like at one point probably like speaking of atlanta like i tried to move to atlanta one time before i was like in talks with like this um independent like music label that like as like i started hearing more and more things i could tell it was a scam Mm. but it's like I was almost there like trying to look for a job and then then I asked them one thing they're like I asked them something about like songwriting they're like oh you're gonna have to pay to be a songwriter I'm like so wait so I'm gonna have to pay you to write songs that I'm already doing for free that doesn't make any kind of sense like 
Yeah, there's a lot of scams out there, and there's a lot of labels that even talent agencies. There's, I mean, I've been approached by a couple different people who are just like, "Oh, well, you know, they'll like sign me on as like, you know, they're my talent agency for like this area." But then like, there was one that was like, "Oh, well, we get ten percent." I was like, "You'll get ten percent of like things you book for me, but I'm not giving you ten percent of the stuff I do for myself." And I just refused. I was like, "I'm not." paying you for stuff I do on my own. And they didn't really push too much for me in that sense. They would like send me this random stuff and I'm like, okay, you're using pictures from like five years ago. You're obviously not, you know what I mean? So it's, it's hard and you have to be very smart and you have to be very careful. And that's why it's good to have a people who know the industry around you and B just having people in your corner period. Right. I will say I'm fortunate, like, in the way, like, they did get money out of me, but I think they got, at most, like, $500, and, like, to some people, that's, like, that's a lot of money, but it's, like, there are people who get, like, they get $7,000 in the hole, like, just trying to, like, mm -hmm. make music, so, like, if you follow a scam and, like, only get out with $500, I think that's not that bad. <laughs> you did, Yeah, there's, it definitely could have been a lot worse. I... Yeah, I learned luckily very early that if you have to pay for something, it's usually too good to be true. Like if they're like, oh, well, you know, you have to pay to come out here. And I'm like, no, if you really were interested in signing me, you'd fly me out. Like I shouldn't have to be buying my plane ticket to come. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's one of those things. And I think if you just bide your time, the right opportunity will come along. Like you just everybody's timing's different. Some people do this for a year and take off. Some people do it for 10, you know? Yeah. And it's also, well, I will say this to people. If like, and the only thing that you should be paying for, if you're an independent artist is studio time, you should not be paying for anything else. Like. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to try to plug my phone in. Cause it is. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Now let's see if it'll stay up. Okay, we'll see if that works. <laughs> All right. So, okay. I'm, I think I'm almost done. So, would you ever consider getting plastic surgery? Uh, I might have already had some. <laughs> really? I mean, it's LA. We all kind of get things done. Um... So the answer well, is yes. Huh? Well, I will say this. Okay. And I don't know maybe if it's like me just not noticing. I haven't noticed anything. Well, so my face means... is fine. I will say that. Um, the oh, only okay. thing I've ever done to my face, I've, I've done Botox before. And um, I've also, um, I had fillers in my lips once and I hated it. I thought it looked awful. So... Yeah, anything else I've done has just been pretty much body-wise. So, yeah. So what he's saying is his ass isn't real. No, no, I'm kidding. Oh. Well, it's, te it's technically mine. I just like to say um, we just rearranged the furniture and we put everything in the living room. Right. So, yeah. I, well, after, so last year, I'll just, 
it's fine. I'm I'm so transparent because again, as someone who like grew up with like body issues, like I think it's like people who lie about getting stuff done is just crazy. Yeah. But um, after um, my breakup last year, I did go to Miami and I did get my ass done and my waist snatched. So yeah, that's it though. Nothing wrong with it. Like, no, I was, it's something like I've always kind of wanted anyway. And then, you know, obviously I didn't go crazy. Like people obviously are like, oh, you have a big butt, but it's not like, I'm not walking around looking like, you know, a fashion Nova model. Um, but yeah, I, it was something I wanted to, I've been wanting for a while. And then it was kind of like, a, you know, just do it. Just, I've, I'm one of those people, if there's something you want and you obviously I don't want people going in debt. So if you can afford it, why not? Well, okay. Did you, well, actually, did you need to do your hips and did you do them? Like I to make it not, look- I did not do my hips. Um, I didn't really need to, I already had a big butt. Um, yeah. I just, it was more of like a shaping. So they just kind of like rounded it out more and put a little bit more up top. Um, okay. And then okay. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm and just, then, I'm just listening. Yeah. Yeah, and then of course, like you know, when because they're taking the fat from your waist, it's it makes everything look bigger already because you're you're pulling in your waist and expanding your butt at the same time. I was wondering if that existed because, like, I would say other than lipo, that would be the one thing that I would change. Not that like. So, as I said, I do have a big ass, but, like, my ass is kind of, like, wide. It's not round. So, like, if I were to do something, I might change that. But, like, other than that, like, I'm lucky. My face hasn't aged much. I don't plan on losing too much weight, so that way, like, the wrinkles won't start to show. Because mm-hmm. that that was my first thought. I'm like, you need to start losing weight. You need to start losing weight. And it's like, No. You want to lose some weight, but you don't want to lose enough to where, like, you start losing fat in your face because that will keep the wrinkles from coming in. Yeah. And that's that's funny. It's like, you know, that's, I feel like as I've, like, gained weight, not that, like, I'm big, but, like, when I'm, like, at a a fuller weight, I feel like I do look more youthful in my face. Whereas when I do, like, sometimes slim down for, like, video shoots or music videos, that 10 pounds off my face, like, it changes everything. So it's, luckily, makeup's a savior as well. So that can help as making you look very, like, youthful if you know how to yeah. do it correctly. Yeah, because I'm, hold on, I'm trying to do the math in my head. So you said you were 17 in 2013? How old was I in 2013? No, I was I was definitely older than seventeen in two thousand thirteen. <laughs> I was um, I moved out here at twenty four, and that was in twenty fourteen. Oh, okay, okay, good. I'm not gonna say this; you're older than me. Um, <laughs> I'm not I'm not gonna tell you how much. Like, <laughs> just a little bit. I just keep telling yeah. people, I'm like, I'm still twenty two in my brain. So, well, that, my thing is like, as long as you can pull off an age you're good because like like my grinder profile says i'm 25 i'm not i'm i'm clearly not 25 but like i haven't aged much since then so like 
I think mine says 29. Or maybe I just stopped showing my age. It was one of the two. <laughs> well, it's like, I mean, I meet people all the time and they're like, I tell them how old I am. And they're always like, are you serious? They're like, you don't look, you know, in your, the age that I am. I'm not going to say it out loud. Um, but they, um, so I like, I feel like, you know, as long as you take care of yourself and I mean, I'm obviously not going out in the sun and tanning every day and things like that. Like you can maintain a youth about you. Oh, and yeah. I think for me personally, I think I look better now than I did in my twenties. So some yeah. people age gracefully. I think I've done an okay job. Well, first of all, you said you don't go out in the sun. Like I literally don't go outside ever. Like I, I like hate going outside. Maybe that, maybe that is because I live in Florida. But it's like after like ten a.m., it's like all of a sudden ninety degrees, and I'm like, I'm good. I'm gonna stay my ass inside. I don't want sweat. <laughs> no, I mean I don't mind like the wet hot, but it's like yeah, I'm. It's just not worth it for me. I'd rather stay youthful and spray tan. Like, whenever I have a shoot, it's like I go and I get, like, oranged up in a booth and call it a day. And then I go right back to being very, very pale right afterwards. And I'm okay with you, that. You do? Maybe, maybe yeah, you I just started Maybe you just started doing it on, like, your newer videos. Because, like, I looked at some of your older ones and you look pretty much the same as you did now. I, yeah, my younger videos, I definitely look more white. <laughs> but no, like with, um, yeah, with Bad Bitch Alert, I did a, um, I did a spray tan beforehand. Um, what was the one before that? I don't even remember. But it's all about oh pony we shot pony because we shot two in three days we shot pony and um pbr at the same location we did like a three-day shoot and we shot two music videos it was insane but i think it's pretty before that too yeah no, again nothing wrong with that i i prefer to stay looking white and young oh there you go <laughs> But no, you like you said. Okay, so I haven't done the exact age, but I know around what age you what age you you said, and it's like no, you look like you look like you're my age. Like, what's your so age? You, you, God, you're gonna make me say it. <laughs> Goddamn, fine, I'll do it. I'm 28. Okay, yeah, you're young. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'll take 28. Yeah. I'll, I'll, that's good. I'll, ch I'll change my grinder profile after we get off here. Because, like, well, obviously, you know on grinder, there's people who are, like, no older than 25. It's, like... It's funny, because it's, you know, I remember being in my early 20s and being, like, oh, God, 30 so old. Like, it's the end of time. And now I'm, like, it's actually better, because it's essentially, it's your 20s, but you have more money. And you tend to be a little bit more responsible. So, and yeah. it's also and it's also you're gay. I feel like, and some people may disagree with this. I feel like most gays don't truly get their shit together till they're in their forties, anyway. Like, <laughs> no, I agree because I feel like um, for a majority of our adolescents, we can't really be ourselves. So then I feel like 
Um, sorry, I'm trying to get my phone to charge because it is being a mess. Um, like during our adolescence, we're not really allowed to be ourselves. So I think like when you do finally come out and most people don't come out until they're in their um, late teens, early 20s, then you right. kind of do go through that like crazy rebellious stage of like, I'm finally out. I can finally live authentically, you know? So you're like, turn to like a little rock star. You got to be able to go to gay bars and you get to do all these things. And then like, I felt like 28, 29 was when I really started like figuring out who I was. And I don't feel like I really figured it out completely until like recently at my advanced age. <laughs> that <laughs> Advanced age. Well, this is, I'm trying to think. Have I inter- no, I haven't interviewed anybody older, and that's not just like that's not an ages thing. I just I think I have one with somebody I'm working with. I think he's older. He's in the Netherlands. Okay. Yeah. So like, that's the thing. That's what I love about like doing this versus like having to go into a studio. It's like I could do stuff internationally. Although the downside of it is. I would rather meet people in person. Like, that's just, I'm that kind of person, but you got to do what you got to (laughs) do. Exactly. Well, it's funny because, like, this is the most interviewing I've done for, in a while. Like, um, when we did, because I've used the the PR company I use, I haven't used film since 2018. And um, just because, honestly, I couldn't afford it. But, um yeah, I've been doing so many like Zoom and Skype. And it's actually really fun because you do still kind of, I mean, it's obviously better to meet someone in person, but like being able to video chat with somebody, you do still kind of get like more of a personality than when if you're just like, you know, you, you're sending me questions over email and I'm just responding because like, it's like. Oh, that is. Uh-oh. Okay, no, for that, that was weird. We both cut out on that one. Like, I was like, what happened? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, like, okay, getting back to your point, I am just like, you're using a PR firm? Thank mm-hmm. God you did not make me send your questions, my questions to your PR firm. Because, like, that is one thing. I had somebody, like, ask me to send questions to their publicist which I don't like doing because my feeling is like at that point, I can't change any of what I'm going to say. I have to stick to a script and I can't like feed off of. And then all of a sudden his publicist never got back to me. We, we scheduled the day. I, I like publicized the interview. Like I do with everybody. I had to cancel it. Cause like, obviously his publicist never got back to me. Like three days later, he's like, I'm not doing interviews. Yeah. I'm like, you couldn't have told me that before. <laughs> Shady, but were they from LA? Yes. And it all comes full circle. Let me stop in case they're watching. But um, no, I mean, the thing is with my PR firm, like they get me things, but like, they're not my, they're, we're not like exclusive into like, if I'm doing an interview, they're not my management. You know what yeah. I mean? So that doesn't make sense unless they were worried that you would be asking questions that they wouldn't want to answer. Well, okay. I will say one thing is 
He's never publicly come out from what I've understood. Okay. Although he, he had like a hint in one of his videos that he might be gay. And I had, I had what he might say, the gall to ask him if he was gay. If you are like putting something in your video where you're like, like pretend sucking a penis statue, I have the right to ask you if you're gay or if you're bi. Yeah. Well, and you also have the right not to answer. Like if you're doing an yeah. interview with somebody, and I've had that, like when people have asked questions that I didn't feel comfortable answering, I was just like, I'm no comment. You know, it's like you're yeah. in, you, you're just as much in control of the interview as the interviewer. Yeah. Like I'm pretty much an open book. There's very few things you could ask me that I would be like, uh, except my age. But yeah. other than that, like I have no problem. Like I feel like it's obviously, and you look at my music and what I write about, I'm pretty much, yeah, you pretty much have seen everything, know everything if you've watched the video, so. And that's how musicians are. Well, at least how I feel. It's like, I have like, okay. No, I'm not going to tell you that. So like, I have one question that I ask everybody. I'm not going to tell you guys the last question I have. But it's like, never mind. I'll, I'll talk about that when we get to that question. We're almost there. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, so, I'm at 9% and it's not charging. I don't want to lose you. Okay, so I'll do these quick then. Have you ever considered making an OnlyFans? Yes. Um, I have so many requests for nudes um, on, in my DMs on Instagram that um, I have actually joked with my friend about it. Uh, the one who actually records my music videos. He's like, well, if you really want to make videos, I guess I can help you. Um. <laughs> I don't know, I, because I obviously don't have any shame anymore. So I think that would be like the last thing that I would be like hesitant for like my parents to find out about. Right. You know, um, but as far as like having posting news and having people pay a subscription to see them, sure. I don't know if I would do like full blown like penetrative, penetrative, Jesus. Penetrative? Is that the word? Penetrative. Penetrative. Yeah, yeah, I got I would, you. I don't know if I would be penetrated on camera. I don't know if that would be a thing, but I would, I mean, yeah, I'd probably do like a, like an Iggy Azalea OnlyFans, where it's like, I just post like really sexy naked photos and maybe some videos. I don't know. Stay tuned. We'll find out. Okay. <laughs> and then finally, okay. This is the question I talk about. Last question. What's the biggest misconception about you? Um, I think before people get to know me, I typically come off very um, standoffish and bitchy. I get told a lot that like my like my face, I don't know if I have like resting bitch face. Right. Or it's just like, you know, it's just like a personal, but like when people, usually when people meet me and they actually like get to know me and like, you know, artists, when I work with them in the studio, they're like, I just thought you were going to be like this like mean diva-esque, like blah, blah, blah. And I'm not, I'm like a still a Southern kid at heart. I feel like I'm very down to earth and very humble. Um, so personally, I think that's probably my big, the biggest misconception people get is people think I'm, an asshole and I'm not which I will say this like before you said yes 
I probably thought that about you, but it's like, but it's like, as I say, like anyone who's like, is willing to say yes to me with me being like, so unknown at the point I'm at now, they can't be that mean. Like, (laughs) well, yeah. Like the thing is too, it's like, this is again, it's, it's good for both of us because you know, I, it, we had a really good conversation. There was a lot that like, you know, I, I don't get to do in like normal interviews that people get to now watch and see. And we really did touch on some really fun subjects, but yeah, that's not who I am. Like I'm not an LA clout chaser. I'm not like when I, even when I collaborate with artists, it's like, I don't look at their following before I collaborate with them. You know, I look at talent and I feel that's what more people should be doing instead of being so concerned with like followers and things like that. Like, yeah. It's about creating something more so than, yeah, making something, I mean, viral is viral, but there's no longevity in it. Right. I will say this. I know of at least one person you gained from doing this. Because I know it's somebody, like, like, I look to see, like, when I'm, like, doing research on people, like, who, like, my mutuals are. And it's Mm -hmm. somebody who I'm, like, who I'm, like, it's some like mom who's from a, who's like a mom of one of my friends who's from around here. And I'm like, there's no way that she would know who you are unless I mentioned it. Like it's one of those things where it's like, I totally know. Like, so well, I mean, no, that's, and that's what's fun. And like I said, I I'm, I'm house sitting a puppy today. Like I don't have, yeah. you know what I mean? And like, I'm not, I, that's the thing too. I wanted to make sure I had the time to give you too, because I didn't want to like get on here and be like, all right, I got 20 minutes. Then we got to go, you know? So. Yeah. And I am so grateful for that. Cause like, as I said, as I told you before, like we started, we've already gone over an hour, but like, <laughs> that's cause like, I will say like you talked and like, I can't shut up. So like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, luckily I'm not drinking. Otherwise, this would be like a four-hour twitch. We would just be here all night because I will not shut up once I get alcohol in me. But I, I know, like, there's, I do have the idea in my head of like getting these like two pe- these two people like doing an interview with two people. I don't know if I could do it, but I'd want to try. And there are two people that like I've already done two and a half hour interviews with. And I'm like, okay, so like, if you put them together plus me, that's gonna be a five-hour interview. Who's gonna actually watch this? <laughs> you would almost have to like have like a time moderator in the background, being like, "All right, next question. All right, next question." You know, like it's hard. I did um with my friend uh, Nita. She's a drag queen out here in Palm. She's actually in Palm Springs now. But we did um a couple years ago during COVID, we did a like a shots slash like promotion interview thing and it was a lot of fun but it was me her and her friends and we were like on a three-way skype and like playing drinking games and answering like ridiculous questions so it's possible just make sure you're prepared (laughs) but i'm also like when in terms of like letting people answer i'm someone who like i don't want to like cut someone off because like if they're going to like an interesting point i'm like i'm gonna let them go because like I probably will have something to comment on with them there. Mm-hmm. And like, I am not someone as, okay, for any of the drag race fans out there, I am not Selena S. Titties, as you can see. Like, I actually let people finish their answers. Like, 
No, that's important. If you're going to be doing Twitches and interviews, I think it's like, you know, and it's, it's hard when you're a natural talker. Like I have to catch myself like a couple of times today. I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. Like, go ahead. Cause like, I will just like jump on a conversation, but I think it's also important to know, be like, okay, sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Let me take a step back kind of situation. Yeah. Some people will just run the house and it's fine, I guess. No, I mean, I'm good. Like I've had that happen before. It like, it happens. Like, especially me, like sometimes I cut off the guests, but it's literally just because like, I have a thought in my head, and if it's not written down, I don't want to lose it. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But other than that, okay. So I will end because I know you said your phone's almost dead. So I know I have it charged, and it's not wanting to charge. It keeps like blinking. iPhones. Well, okay. I mean, I'll probably like talk to you for a bit, but like you can move your phone into a way where you can like charge it. <laughs> yeah, it's like well, it has a charger in it, but it's not. Like, I don't it's think the charger is working, and it's not my charger. Oh. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. Anyway, yeah. with that being said, this has been Gay Out the City. I'm your host, Prince Electro Diamond, and I hope you've enjoyed. Oh, thank you for having me. Of course. Bye. Bye. Okay. And.